0: Try to finish what we started last Wednesday evening. We're in a series studying the fe- studying the, the subject of, the, the heart of God. It's more than just a subject; it's the reason I think for which we even exist, and it's fellowship with God. And First Corinthians one nine says, "God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord." When Father first began to speak to me about this verse he compared it to the fellowship that I have with close friends of my children Um, Bethany met a friend in middle school, it's been a dear friend to her even to this day vacation with us traveled with us, others that John Mark, you know, and of course now they're spouses. But but as much as Kayla Cannon, I mean, Bethany's dear friend still to this day, I mean, of course she's married now and all that, but very, very close to us, but she didn't have the same fellowship with me as Bethany. And so when we see that we've been called into the fellowship of his son. He this is important. Amen. This is important. This is this this means what it says and says what it means. Amen. Another opening in 1 John where we see that we've been called into the same fellowship with John the beloved and Jesus and God the Father and then of course we see where In 2 Corinthians 6, we're instructed to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because righteousness has no fellowship with lawlessness. And we've made the connection that Jesus invited us to take his yoke upon ourselves and that Jesus' yoke is a yoke of discipline, it's a yoke of discipleship, it's a yoke of learning, it's a yoke of effort, all that, yes, I'm not making light of any of that. But if that yoke is anything, it's a yoke of fellowship that we've been invited to come into and step alongside Jesus. And we see that this yoke that represents the common union of fellowship also is the means by which we receive wisdom and understanding from God and have things revealed to us that cannot and will not be revealed any other way. And I know I'm skipping through some things quickly here that we've already covered, but this then led us to this passage in John chapter 15, verse 15 through 17, where Jesus says to those closest to him, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. Now in this we, we see another very important aspect of friendship with God and which is friendship and friend period is a fellowship word that has been way overused and greatly devalued in our world today. And we've come to the conclusion years ago that a true friend is a rare and precious gift. Not just an acquaintance, not just somebody you know, but someone who prefers you and your interests above their own is a beautiful thing that God blesses our lives with. But we also see alongside this in verse 16, where Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And we've been chosen. This is important. We've been chosen for fellowship. We've been chosen for fellowship. We. I know people talk about all the time how they found God. My friend, I'm, I'm glad you found Him, but He found you first. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He talks about how we love Him, and I'm glad that you do, but... The only reason we can even say those words to him is because he loved us first. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. And so we see that Jesus, because there were a group of people that were his friends, those that he fellowshiped with, those that he went into their homes and had meals with. You know, Think of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Jesus sitting in their home... Um, teaching and revealing and speaking things to them in that intimate setting that Jesus did not present to the multitudes. And remember, Jesus came to reveal to us mysteries and secrets that had been hidden from the foundation of the world. So we could say, and I I don't want to you know, make this to some cliche or, or, or devalue this in any way by using this terminology. But what we're talking about here is insider information. Things that Jesus is able to tell his friends in a fellowship setting that he is unable to tell and will not tell others. Amen. So the growth and the development and the transformation the maturing, growing up into Jesus in all things, these beautiful verses throughout the Word of God that we find communicating this. None of that is is fully possible apart from fellowship, accepting that yoke of discipleship, accepting that yoke of fellowship, doing life alongside Jesus. Now, counterproductive to fellowship is what we've been calling this self-help mindset. And we see this in John 6 where the group of people row across to Capernaum to find Jesus because they want Jesus to tell them something that they can go home and do that will make their life better. Had no interest in Him. They had no interest in finding out any more about Him. They had no interest in believing on Him. They just simply wanted Him to tell them something that they could go do without Him that would make their life better. Now, I want you to see because you think, well, now that's that's a relationship. Remember, one of the themes that we're developing along the way is there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. That That's a relationship, but notice it's more of a self-help relationship. It's we've got time for you, Jesus, as long as you can tell us something that'll help us. But if you don't have anything for us that we can go do to make our lives better more convenient easier more enjoyable than you know we will just invest our time and efforts elsewhere so when the lord spoke to us and said a self-help mindset has crept into the church and must be rooted out remember our enemy is a relentless negotiator he's always trying to get us to settle for something less than God's best and perhaps one of the greatest settlements that he has ever negotiated people into in the body of Christ is the so called personal relationship with God as opposed to the same fellowship with him that Jesus enjoys now Why is Father, you know, why is this such a big deal? It's it's a big deal because without the right heart and attitude towards him, without an understanding of these things, we're simply going to miss out. And And he doesn't want us to miss out on all that he desires to experience and enjoy together with us. Now, last week we began to look at this word heteros in the original language and this word is translated used by Jesus and then translated into English four times in the gospels and it's translated friend but it doesn't mean friend and so we Took some time last week to explain how this is a serious case of things being lost in translation, and the understanding of the difference between "friend" (philosphilia) in the original language and "heteros" in the original language. Both translated, by the way, "friend" into the uh, modern English Bible is uh, the difference between those two meanings is, is, is striking, it's telling. It, it's important because it's, it's spelling out for us what we're talking about and have been talking about here for these last few weeks. So remember, God did not invite you to have whatever kind of relationship with Him you decide you would like to have. So that's the other counterproductive part of this this personal relationship, because remember if it 's personal that means what it's it's secret it's it's um, uh, self defined and and we settle for for this mindset and, f, and for this approach to knowing God and doing life together with him when God has something so much more for us so let's um let 's get into this right quick all right so philos, again and philia um, Philos is one who unselfishly makes another person's interests their own. Again, this word is translated friend, philia, friendship, from the original language is the quality that brings two people together to share common interests. And of course, we see this enforced and and expounded upon in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. This is, this is fellowship speech here. This is, this is speaking of fellowship. Now, this word heter or heteros and the different variations of this, also translated friend, but this speaks of, in the female sense, a kept woman... And in the male sense, a mercenary. Now, we would say a mistress because this would be someone that is not the same as a wife, but not the same as a prostitute, but somewhere in between those two. And then with a mercenary, this would be a soldier who has no loyalty to a country, but will offer his services to the highest bidder. So he could be for one country one week and fight against another country, (laughs) and then if that country offered him more money, he would just swap sides and fight against the people that he used to fight alongside. So this is this concept, this is what this word hetair, I was looking for an expression last week, and and after church I'm like, Father, what, you know, what was I trying to say, and and what I'm trying to say is heter and or heteros and philo philos philia they they're not, they don't share the same root and that I I kept trying to get that out last week and I you know, listening back to it in other words there's nothing in about these words in common that would make you think that it should be translated friend, amen. All right, now so. <clears throat> If you think of like, in modern day terminology, a company or a corporation that involves people who associate together for the primary purpose of, let's say, making money, and then this is another more in-depth definition of heteros, or for personal interest through corporate design. I know that's wordy, just stay with me for a minute though. Personal interest through corporate design. So, again, what's the idea here? The idea here is I'm a part of this group of people, but the only reason I'm a part of this group of people is because I can somehow benefit from being a part of this group of people. It's not about what I can offer these people. It's about how I can network with these people for my own benefit. Are you seeing this? Now, when you look at what's going on in the church today, you're seeing a lot of this. It's an attitude that says, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? Okay? Now, don't misunderstand me. Um, I I get a lot out of coming to church. I hope you do. Um, I feel better. It, it's a good thing. You know, Matthew often talks about it up here, you know, how... Just you know, just release the weight of the world. Just release the cares. You know, worship and 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 how liberating and and freeing. So all of that. If if you think that there's no benefit in knowing God and living for God, then you're not hearing what I'm saying. But it goes back to the attitude of the heart. It goes back to. Why we do what we do. How many of you know why we do what we do is important to God? Not just what we do, but the the motivation, the attitude of our heart behind why we do what we do. Amen. Now, we see Jesus use this word the first time in Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 and 17. He says, "But what shall I liken, but to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the, ma- in the marketplaces and calling to their companions. And the word that Jesus used is calling to their heteros and saying, "We played the flute for you and you did not dance, we mourned to you and you did not lament." So what is Jesus talking about here? Again, he's pointing out the lack of true fellowship and the selfish, shallow, and phony friendships that had become customary among so many. And we're seeing a lot of that today, right? What does a true friend do? A true friend rejoices with you when you're rejoicing, and a true friend mourns with you when you're mourning. Not what we see here Jesus pointing out in Matthew chapter 11. So, He's saying you've got all these people that you call friends, but they're not happy for you when something good takes place in your life, and they don't try to help you or support you or even pat you on the back when you're going through something challenging or difficult. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And this is a this is a lengthy passage, and we're going to we're going to read it and and then come back and comment. I uh, took the liberty to highlight some of the key phrases uh in this passage, and you'll note that um on the screen. But Jesus speaking here in verse one, Matthew chapter twenty, verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like, and so that's anytime Jesus uses that expression and he uses it a lot, for the kingdom of heaven is like, he's he's revealing something to us, a a perspective on things that God has that we need. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Let me make one more comment on this. Okay? When Jesus says for the kingdom of heaven is like, he's about to tell you something that's different from the way the world is like. Okay? Different from the way the world does it. Different from the way the world thinks. Okay? So again, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. I highlighted the phrase, agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. That's very important because we're going to see that this same landowner is going to come back and hire, and then he's going to come back later and hire again, he's going to come back later and hire again, he's going to come back later and hire again as the day unfolds. And then at the end of the day, he's going to pay all of them the same. The ones that worked all day and then those that just worked a couple of hours, they're all going to be paid the same. And at first glance, you look at this and you go, wait, so you're telling me the kingdom of heaven is not fair? What, you know, these, these guys that worked so hard and, and, and bore the brunt and the heat of the day, um, should they not have been paid more than the people who only worked a, a, a little bit of time uh, so at first glance, this this doesn't seem to be correct, but Jesus isn't talking about financial, uh, uh, you know, equality here. That's that's not the point that he's trying to make. And so the reason I highlighted agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. As we read through this, you're going to see that the other people who went to work did so without an agreement. They did so without a contract. They did so without any promise or guarantee of being paid anything. The landowner simply told them, I will take care of you, I will do right by you, um, and they went with that, okay? Okay. Now, let's read it, and we'll come back and comment on that a little more. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. And he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. So the last person that only worked an hour or so, he was the first one paid. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. Anybody remember that dollar, that amount? That was the same Amount that the original laborers had agreed upon. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Notice I uh, highlighted the phrase, You made them equal to us. Come on now. We're talking about how the kingdom works. Are you with me? You made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend. So there it is. It's translated friend, but that's not the word. It doesn't mean this. When Jesus said friend, he used a word that people in his day completely understood what it meant. He didn't say philos. He said heteros. Meaning what? Meaning someone who is only in Involved in what they're involved in for what they can get out of it. They're only interested in, in how they can benefit from the situation. And so Jesus says, Heteros, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do What I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. For many are called, but few chosen. Many call, but few chosen. I want to remind you back, John chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus said, I have chosen you, I have chosen you. So Jesus now says, many are called, few are chosen. And, And he explains that he has not wronged these people. They demanded a denarius for a day's labor, and he agreed to pay them that. But then as he goes back to the marketplace throughout the day, these folks are willing to go work for whatever is right. For whatever is right. okay. Now you say, Pastor, I'm I'm still not sure I'm getting it. Well, here, among other things, is one way that I think we really need to see this. The first group of laborers who went, they were not willing to go until they were guaranteed a set amount. In other words, we're not going to do anything for you until you tell us what you're going to pay us. And the man said, okay, fine. How about a denarius a day? Yes, sir, shake on it. They shook on it, right? Okay. Now, all these other folks, Jesus, the landowner, but Jesus telling the story, right? When they agree to go work, would you like? he summons them, he calls them, he invites them. Would you like to go work? Yes, okay, go work, and whatever's right, I'll pay you. Thank you, sir, and they go work. Do you see the difference in the attitude of the heart? The first folks, the first group of laborers, they wanted a relationship with this man, but they wanted it on their terms. They wanted it based upon what they could get out of it, and would not do anything until he agreed. Are you seeing this, right? They wanted to call the shots. Let's say it another way. They wanted to to make the demands and, and be in charge of whatever this man was going to give them at the end of the day for a day's work. So that seemed like a denarius today, man. They were ready to go do it. Okay, until the landowner made others equal to them. Now, let's go back to Philippians. Okay? Fellowship, right, is about preferring other people's interest above your own. Amen. Notice you don't, have, you don't hear the people who worked six hours complaining, right? Well, wait a second. You know, we I know these guys worked all day, but we worked half a day. You don't hear any of that, right? Why? Because of the attitude of their heart. They, they were just happy to have something to be a part of and to receive compensation for the day. I don't know if you're thinking about it or if I've lost you. Are you still with me? Now, this phrase, have made them equal to us. Have made them equal to us. Remember, fellowship or the compatibility of fellowship requires comparability. It requires comparability. Do not be unequally yoked together. Yoke represents fellowship. Do not be unequally yoked together. In other words, you're forbidden to put a donkey and an ox in the same yoke because they're not equal to one another. So when He made them equal to us, let me, can I tell you why I think, and we're just going to keep going at this until the Holy Spirit just tells us to move on or or until we get it, okay? We've been called into the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus. And people say, well, that, that ain't no way. Yes way. Right? It would be like those people who worked one hour and got paid the same as those who worked all day going, oh, oh hold on a second. I'm i I'm not worthy of a denarius. I didn't earn a denarius. I mean, that's, that's big money for one hour's work. You got guys that worked 12 hours that got a denarius. I worked one hour and I got a denarius. That's... Are you, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we think that I'm not worthy to be called into the fellowship of God the Father. You know what? Unless he made you worthy, you're not. But he made us worthy. Here, here's another one, okay? It's mine to give. That's what this man's saying. He's like, I'm not being unlawful. I'm not doing you wrong. You agreed for the denarius, and the denarius it is. Am I I being wicked? Am I I doing something wrong by doing what I please with what is mine? So if Father God wants to invite you and me into the same fellowship with Him as Jesus, that's His to give. And it's ours to to understand and receive. Amen? All right, let's, let's keep moving here. So, Many call, few were chosen. Many call, few were chosen. That's really important. Now, Matthew chapter 22, this time verses 1 through 14. We're going to have to hit the turbo here. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Now, if you don't, let me, spoiler alert. This parable is going to end with the same phrase. Or the same conclusion that we saw the one in Matthew 20 in, which is many are called, few are chosen. So remember that. Many are called, few are chosen. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Now think for a moment. Who would have been on this invitation list? People who are supposed to be his friends. Are you following me? I mean, think about it. Who who do you invite? You know, if if one of your children are getting married, whatever. Who are you going to invite to the wedding? You're going to invite friends. You're going to invite people that you've business associates people that you have connections to and you know some meaningful way in your life you want them to come and celebrate this very special moment in your family with you and so this isn't just anybody this is a king how many of you know the king's fixed to put some food on the table i mean this is this is going to be this is going to be more than punch and peanuts i mean it, this is going to be this is going to be some serious stuff here right but notice he invites them. So notice now we've got an invitation here. You've got an invitation. In the, before, right? hey, who wants to come work in my, in my vineyard? Oh, I'm, yeah, how much are you paying? Okay. So now here's another variation of this. Also involves an invite. Okay. Um, so think about it now. Because I know you because I know me. There are times that we are invited to things that it's an inconvenience. Right? You know, I mean, you guys like like, mean, I don't have anything to wear. I got to go I'm supposed to be I worked all week. It's on a Friday to be late. I'm going to travel. I mean, it's downtown, the parking. I mean, it's, words, you know, these, these were all these different reasons. And, of course, Jesus, you know, lists some of those. But I'm just trying to help you connect with this in a personal way. What would it have taken for those invited? What would it have taken for them to show up? Okay. Um, You know, they would have had to take time out of their own lives, right? They would have to have preferred someone else's interest above their own, right? Is that not what we're told to do in Scripture? Is that not fellowship? So what's really happening here is all all these folks that he thought were his friends, he's finding out they're really not at all, okay? Verse 4, Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. So he asked them to come, and they blow it off. And he says, Look, did did you tell them how much food we've got? Did you tell them what we're cooking, what's on the menu? Go back and tell them again that this is a serious you know, we, we, we're going with this, right? Verse 5, man, but they made light of it. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a series of sermons right there. Satan is always trying to get you and me to make light of things that are important to our Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, that word you see throughout the scriptures, Old Testament a lot, more even than the New Testament. This word despise, Jesus said you'll love the one or despise the other. Despise there doesn't mean what you think it means, like hatred or despise. No, despise means to, what he's exactly saying here, to make light of of something that should not be made light of. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard of it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Now, worthy here means of equal value, similar worth. Literally, I'm not making this up. It means comparable. Okay? Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So let's try to, I don't. I'm feeling kind of rushed here. If we have to finish this at another point, we will, okay? But let me, let's slow down here for just a minute. Those who were invited were not worthy. What does that mean? It means that they treated it lightly and did not understand the value and the importance of an invitation from the king. Are you seeing this? The attitude of their heart was... Remember what Jesus said. If, um, Basically, if you don't receive me, you're not worthy of me. In other words, because you've written him off, you've missed out on everything that he has come to do. And that's the same theme that's carried over into this. But those who were invited were not worthy. They were not worthy. He initially thought that they were because he extended the invitation to them. But their response... Reveal their true heart towards him. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to, in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, and there it is again. But again, the word here is in the original language heteros. How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And you think, whoa, whoa, wait, that's pretty severe. Okay, what you have to understand is that they were offered a wedding garment. Like if you go to a nice restaurant that requires you to wear a sports coat, men, and you don't have a sports coat, they have a closet full of them, navy blue, usually the brass buttons, right, that they will let you wear so that you can come in and spend your money at their nice restaurant. So, again, it's not that there's all kinds of preaching and teaching here, right? We put on the garments of praise, the robes of righteousness. Remember when the younger brother came home, he was given shoes, a ring, and a robe. So, speaking of what, God does to make us right before Him. Again, all this, uh, these tie-ins here. But that verse 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, I want to jump to that. And we're, I know we said there was four different times that Jesus used this. I'm, I mentioned last week the last one. And let's do that right quick. Matthew 26, 47 through 50. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders to the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Heteros, have you come? Why have you come, rather? Heteros, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So... There are some, and I understand it makes for a good preaching or whatever. Oh, look, Jesus is so kind, he's still calling him friend. No, no, he, he didn't call him philia. He called him heteros in the original language, which means what? Judas, you've been a part of this whole thing, this whole time, only for what you could get out of it. You're only interested. You're only here tonight, not to support me, not to pray for me, not to love me, not to be one of my followers, but you're here. What thirty pieces of silver? Right now, let's let's finish here. Revelation chapter three verse twenty. Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. Now, let's. I'm going back now to Matthew twenty. Matthew twenty two. Many call, few are chosen. You still with me? Many call, few are chosen. Give me four minutes, and we'll be done. Many call, few are chosen. Many call, few are chosen. What does that mean? Obviously, we want to be one of the chosen ones. It's a difference between being called and being chosen. Now, I believe Revelation 3.20 unlocks this for us. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And he's not knocking on the door of the sinner's heart. That's how this is often preached and represented in artwork and things of this nature. But if you understand the context of Revelation chapter 3, he's knocking on the door of the church. He is knocking on the door of the church wanting to know if anyone in the church, anyone in the body of Christ, anyone who is born again would like to come and have a meal with him. He's wanting to know if any of the ecclesia, that is church in the original language, any in the ecclesia, ecclesia, church, Translated church means, are you ready? The called out ones. Those who have been called out. So as the body of Christ, we are the called out ones. We've been called out from this world. We've been separated from this world. We were once darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. Now we see Jesus knocking on the door full of called out ones, right? Wanting to know if anybody in there would like to come fellowship with Him. I will come in to Him I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What is the difference between a friend and a heteros? Okay. Well, obviously, I think it's pretty clear the heteros is only interested in what he or she can get out of the situation and will contribute to the situation but only if they feel like their contribution to the situation is going to be worthy of what they will get from their contribution. In other words, it's still what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? Is this worth my time? Is this worth my effort? Thank you, Jesus. Now we see the difference between what did Jesus say? You haven't chosen me, I've chosen you. What made the disciples candidates for being chosen well how about this one jesus preaches a sermon that people don't understand and they leave jesus by the thousands but later that night around the campfire the 12 disciples are still sitting there and they didn't understand the sermon either jesus says are you going to leave me too and peter says where else will we go when you speak something comes alive inside of me But by the way, Jesus, what in the world were you talking about today? Do you see the the attitude there? They're like, we didn't understand it either, but you got the answers and we're not going. we We can't learn from anybody what we can learn from you. We can't hear from anybody else what we can hear from you. You have the words of life. So we want to be with you, Jesus. Wherever you're going, we're going. Whatever you're doing, we're doing. Do you see the attitude of their heart? A lot of people came to see Jesus. A lot of people ministered to by Jesus. A lot of people touched. But there's that inner, that that small inner circle that was like, you know what? We we're gonna we're gonna be there, thick or thin, when it's popular, when it's not popular, when it's the end thing, and it's not the it's it's not the end thing. And so Jesus says, you know what? I I no longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you, Father, for what your word reveals to us about these things. Father, we open ourselves up before you, Lord. Search our hearts. Show us, Father, if, if there's the mindset of a, ter- of a heteros in us, Lord. Father, I'm, I'm certainly you know, not here to, to, to judge people. But when I see what is happening, Lord, in the body of Christ... I see a lot of self-help mindset, and I think a lot of that's behind the heteros mindset, Father, of coming to your house for what we can get out of it rather than what we can bring to it. Lord, I thank you that fellowship doesn't work that way, and you're teaching us the ways of fellowship. Lord, that that fellowship is is about common interest, common union, preferring... um, you and what your desires are above ourselves and our desires and then also father as that relates to the people that you have put us together with to serve and to work alongside father lord preferring others uh, interest above our own and, and lord esteeming others better than ourselves father all of these things are the basis for fellowship with you and fellowship healthy, wonderful, life-giving fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace, graciousness to us, Father. And Lord, help us be your light shining in this world, Father, that's becoming darker every moment. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow. Thank you for being here tonight. Good things coming. I'll see you Sunday, if not before.